Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, strong and powerful Don Graves. Don, are you ready to do this? George, I'm ready to do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Don is an RICP, CLTC, CSA. He is an adjunct professor at the American College, and he is the principal at the HECM Advisors Group. Is that HECM, Don, or HECM? Yep. Heckam, Heckam, Heckam is good, and and I'm not clearing my throat when I say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Don is a uh, a leader and a thought leader in the reverse mortgage space. I'm excited to have you back on. Don, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, uh, thank you, George. It's a uh, it's a unique season. I've been involved in the world of reverse mortgages for 21 years, and in that time, I've had about 16,000 consumer facing conversations about 3,000 people became clients and all that tells you is that as good as reverse mortgages are for many they're not always the right thing to do so my philosophy is I want people after they speak with me to have a better deeper understanding of what a reverse mortgage is how it works is it the right thing for them to do and is it the right time for them to do it yeah I certainly appreciate that so we were just talking offline that it's been a little over two years since last we spoke, and I think that you referred to reverse mortgages at, at that time as a little bit spooky, um, <laughs> and I imagine that their evolution has, has continued over the past two years, so we'd just love to, to hear about, in recent memory, how, how, how reverse mortgages have, have changed and evolved. Sure. Thanks, George. I think the, the term reverse mortgages in the last two years have um, really taken a turn, a positive turn in my 21 years. You could say reverse mortgage as a, at a picnic or barbecue and someone may pull out a shank and try to kill you. <laughs> so I, so I, I think we're, we're certainly past that. But the last two years in a, a strong and robust economy, here's what I see as some of the major changes. It's just just been one or two, but there's been a greater... Um, a greater exposure, positive exposure about reverse mortgages. And that's been very helpful all across different media outlets. And, and um, you're seeing good stories about the role that housing wealth can play um, in helping retirement. So that's really been a shift. The other significant shift, shift is the type of consumer, the type of borrower who's looking into reverse mortgages. For many years, um, the prevailing thought was the reverse mortgages were for house rich and cash poor for those borrowers who who could go to the diner but they couldn't get a steak they had to get a hamburger they could get medicine but they had to cut their medicine in half to make it last and for for years people thought oh that's not me i'm not that and it really wasn't that but a lot of public perception was um it was for a, a different type of borrower i can tell you the last two years that's completely been turned on its head. Um, just in my practice, I do case design and consultation for advisors and their clients. This afternoon, there's a client that's got a $1.5 million home. I've got a 
client with a $3 million home, client with a $4.5 million home. And these folk have investments, um, $500,000 up to $2 or $3 million. So the, the, the scope of the reverse mortgage goes from those who may be constrained or on a fixed income or those who may seem to be carefree, but they have this housing asset and they're strategically looking at how can I use this to improve my retirement uh, outcome. So the real shift I've seen is greater acceptance and a, a completely different type of borrower than, than maybe what we had before. It's expanded. Got it. I certainly appreciate that. And and I, I think I, I 100% echo the sentiment that, yeah, there's certainly a much greater acceptance and, and the negative stigma of it seems to be gone. So mm-hmm. have there been... Um, any changes or, or innovations in how the actual products work? In the last two years since we last talked, I don't think so. The reverse mortgage, it's been around 59 years and been part of the federal government for 32 years. And for your listeners, there are three programs fundamentally that the federal government um, supports and undergirds to help retirement. The first is Social Security, 1935. The second is Medicare, 1965, and the third is the Home Equity Conversion Mortgage, 1988. So these are programs that enjoy the full faith and confidence and support of the federal government. So what is a reverse mortgage by way of review? It is simply a type of home equity loan for those age 62 or older that allows them to convert a portion of their home's value, turn it into tax-free dollars, without having to make a mandatory monthly loan payment, you don't give up ownership, or come off title to the home. The amount of money you get is based off your age. The older you are, the more money you get, the value of the home, and the interest rate. A reverse mortgage must be a first mortgage, so a lot of people use it to pay off an existing mortgage. And finally, the loan gets repaid when the last surviving borrower permanently departs the house, moves, deceases, goes in a nursing home for more than one year. At that time, whatever money was advanced to the client, plus any interest that has accrued, gets repaid. And what's important? 100% of any remaining equity passes on to the heirs or the estate. And that's the basics of the reverse mortgage for 59 years as a private program and for um, 32 years as part of the um, under the federal government. So you say, well, what, what's changed in the last two years? Not, not much in terms of um, how it functions. Before that, there were some greater spousal protections that were put in that now in 49 states, only one spouse has to be age 62 or older. So you could be 65, your wife could be 55, all states but Texas, and you can do a reverse mortgage. There's greater equity protections, which is they've throttled down the um, amount of money that you can take up all up front. And that's so people don't get it all and spend it in one year. So there's some greater equity protections. And there's greater protection at the end of the reverse mortgage, so um, more to pass on to the children. So it's really been solidified. That happened more than two years ago, but many people don't know that, that this program is now safe, um, safer than it's ever been in its 32-year history. And it's really become a viable tool, particularly in this kind of current situation we're in. Now, at the time of this recording, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and we're seeing a lot of movement with the reverse mortgage right now. So when you say there's a lot of movement, what what do you mean? 
That means there are a lot of people looking and um, turning to reverse mortgages to help them in their retirement years. So activity for reverse mortgages has really increased since March of this year, and we see it continuing to increase. Now, why is that? Um, uh, there's an article the other day that a financial advisor wrote um, why he thought it was a good idea for retirees to access their home equity in retirement. And it was a great article talking about why and what type of products to use, but he omitted something that I thought was very important, and that he omitted an age-appropriate equity release strategy. Let me say that again an age-appropriate equity release strategy. When we're 25, 30, 35 years of age and we're buying our first house, we may not have cash to do that, and so we get a 30-year mortgage. That's age-appropriate. When we're 45, 50, 55, and we want to add an addition, we want to help the children with college, we want to go on a vacation, we want to do something, then we get a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan, and we make payments. That's age-appropriate. But now that we're 65, is a 30-year mortgage an age-appropriate resource for most people? I say not because you've got to make a payment. Well, what about a home equity loan or line of credit? Is that an age-appropriate resource? I, I personally don't think so, George. And, and here's why. I think an age-appropriate equity release strategy for retirees needs to have the ability not to impact cash flow, which is can I access this line of credit, take out $50,000, $125,000, and not then have to turn around the next month and begin making payments. Well, with a reverse mortgage, you don't have to. So that's age-appropriate. Number two, it should be insured by something bigger than the uh, the banker entity, whether well, reverse mortgage is that. Number three, it, it should be safe in the sense that a line of credit, a traditional bank line of credit, can be frozen, canceled, capped, or reduced. A lot of people didn't know that until 2008 or nine. They went in to get some more money, and the bank says, no, you don't have any or it's zero, or we're going to freeze it. The age-appropriate equity release strategy needs to be available when the retiree needs it, and that's a reverse mortgage. And so those are those are just, and the, the, the bonus is that it should have a growth factor, which is if I go get a standard line of credit from the bank for $100,000, and 10 years later, that's the draw period, 10 years later, if I didn't use it, it's still $100,000. And a reverse mortgage is growing today at 4 or 5%. So if I got $100,000 at the end of 10 years, I can continue to draw on it. There's no draw period. I don't have to start making a payment. And now it's $150,000, dollars $200,000 that I have access to. And so that's the major difference to your listeners, that um, using equity in retirement, particularly in a situation like this, I think is an important consideration. But it should be an age-appropriate equity release strategy. And the only one I know of that fits that category is a reverse mortgage. Got it. So how are interest rates impacting this? Uh, interest rates on uh, typically, now on a, those who are listening on a traditional mortgage, what some people have been surprised, they look in the newspaper and they say, oh, interest rates have really gone down. They're 1%. And they think they can refinance it. 1% or 2% to only discover they can't because that's not really the way interest rates work in the mortgage environment. And this goes a little bit behind the scenes um, because all mortgages need an investor. You can issue it, but an investor has to buy it. And if you issue the loan at 1%, an investor may not buy it. So interest rates are, are 
for our business, the reverse mortgage, their lowest, the lowest they've been in three years. So it's a great time. That means a greater benefit. Um, and that's happening right now. So interest rates mean that for us, they're lower and there's greater benefits certainly than what it was three years ago. So it's a great time to certainly consider it. Got it. So the lower the interest rate gets, theoretically speaking, better for the actual homeowner borrower. borrower. Yes. yes, sir. That is correct. Got it. Okay. So back to this age-appropriate equity release strategy. Um, yes, sir. So I appreciate that unlike a traditional line of credit, this is you, you don't have to make payments. Uh-huh. It's, it's insured by the government. That's correct. It's safe and available, so this can't be frozen or stopped if you know, things go sideways. That is correct. And tell me a little bit more about the growth factor. Well, the growth factor, um, the 32 years the federal program has been involved, is that the unused portion of the line of credit has a built-in guaranteed growth factor that's not correlated to the appreciation of the home's value. It's a program design. And so if someone says, hey, Don, I've got a $400,000 house and I'm 70 years of age, they may be able to get around a $200,000 reverse mortgage line of credit today. And that's going to be growing at about 4 4.5% right now. So the benefit for the, the client is now I can uh, release the equity, um, trapped equity, I release it, and I have access to it. But what if I don't need it right now? Well, it's there for you in case you need it. It's growing and that provides a very powerful reserve, um, particularly in everything that's going on right now. So that's just a function of the program for 32 years. Got it. And is that is that percentage, is that fixed, or is that based on something? Sure. It's based off of the uh, index and a margin, and every year on the anniversary date of the loan, that's going to adjust up or down. Okay. And is that and just – is that – Theoretically speaking, because your home is is appreciated in value, so they want the the amount available to you to also go up. Well, in theory, I don't know what was in the mind of the the framers of this. Right. Thirty two years ago, the um, University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Jack Guttentag, nineteen seventy five, wrote a technical monograph. It was called called Financial Instrument for the Aged. And so when HUD and finally um, the seating of the 100th Congress approved the home equity conversion mortgage and the line of credit feature, I'm not certain of all the the wherewithals and the whatnots, but it would make sense that if we're living in retirement and I've got access to $100,000, we hope 10 years later that it would just make sense because of inflation that there should be some adjustment built into it. I, I don't know why it is, but I know it's there, and it's been there for 32 years, that the line of credit grows. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So what what are some of the best practices? Um, you're talking about having conversations with folks that maybe maybe they, 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 they don't need this money. So it's not people like we were talking about before who are house rich and cash poor. It's people mm-hmm. that, hey, I've got other assets, but this is also a part. So what are, what are some of those best practices that you're seeing? Let me give you three or four best practices in the time we have remaining. Um, number one is mortgage management. That right now, 50 to 68% of people coming into retirement have a mortgage, second mortgage, home equity line of credit, or home equity loan. And so that's some sort of cash flow consideration when they're coming into retirement. And so now, um, then even before the pandemic, I would ask them, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, what would retirement be like if you didn't have to make a monthly loan payment? I had a lady, I said to Friday, down in Louisiana, her and her husband, 
and they just said, oh, Mr. Graves, it'd be great. They said, we've got a son in Indiana, and our grandbabies are up there in Indiana, and we can't drive any longer. And if we can get rid of this $1,900 a month payment, we'd be able to fly up and down to see our grandbabies. That was a great answer. I really appreciated that. So those who are listening, you think about life with or without a uh, mortgage payment, what you could do with that $1,900 or 800 or whatever it is. Um, uh, piggybacking on that, some say, well, Don, I, can, I don't mind making a payment. I can afford to make a payment. Then my question is simply this. Well, I know you can afford to make a payment, but if you had a choice in retirement, since you're already making a payment, since you're already doing it, if you had a choice, would you rather that payment be mandatory or voluntary? And typically, 100% of the people say voluntary. Sure. And I said, can I show you a way to take your existing payment? You can continue to do the same thing you're doing. Make a payment on the same day from the same account and the same amount. The loan balance will go down, but I want to show you what would happen. You're going to get a line of credit that will begin to grow in your favor. And so manage, uh, managing a mortgage becomes very, very important. Uh, number two, risk management. Those who have money in the market, they, they've lost 10, 20, 30 percent, some of them. And if you're taking money in distribution, now you're locking in that loss. You've got the loss in the market. You've got the loss of that money being able to, to work for you because you've taken it out of circulation. And if you do it too much, you're going to have a loss of sleep. Well, what if there was a way that you could use some sort of non-correlated asset that wasn't tied to the market, and you could use that money versus cannibalizing or converting assets during the dips, giving them a chance to grow back? Well, it's been proven that if you can do a strategy like that, you're going to increase your savings somewhere between 10 to 14 years. Nice. Well, Don, what, what asset could I use that I could do that? Well, you could use life insurance, you could use cash, or you can use your housing wealth. So we're seeing that... And, uh, and just I'll just the third is just reserve management, just setting up a reverse mortgage line of credit that's growing for you and it's there for you for emergencies, expenses, enjoyment, or a host of other kind of planning purposes, just setting up a reserve because the truth is, George, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's in the days ahead and having access I, and because I don't know that, is it a is it a good conversation to have, whether you do it or not, to at least say, I may want to have a reserve available to me to prepare for the days ahead. Ahead. Yeah, I think that those are excellent right there. Perfect. Well, Don, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? <laughs> the difference-making tip. Um, if a banker knocked on your door and said, Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, I'm banker so-and-so. And you say, Oh, I know you. You're the president of the, the community bank. And you say, Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. A person has died and in their will they left you the keys to their safe deposit box we wanted to deliver them to you here's a question to the listener here's the action here's the thing to think about would you go to the bank and open that safe deposit box well the answer is yes sure. yes you would <laughs> absolutely well 87 percent of retirees are sitting on their safe deposit box at your home now, you don't know what's inside of it. You've never looked in and said, oh, what could I get? It could be a year supply of Alpo, like when the price is right. <laughs> or it could be something that really revolutionizes what you're doing. Here's what I would say. Find out what's in your safe deposit box. Whether you use it or not, whether you access it, at least know. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. Don, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? 
Sure. You can find me at housingwealth.net, www.housingwealth.net. And there's a thing on there that says contact us. So if you have a question, you say, I want to see what's in my safe deposit box, you're free to do that. www.housingwealth.net and click the tab that says contact us. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show down your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to housingwealth.net, click on the Contact Us box, and find out how much is in your safety deposit box. Thank you again, Don. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!